Hello, my friends. This is Bishop Campbell welcoming you again to a short meditation on the theme of living the Catholic life. I hope that as you have been at Mass uh, in these Sundays of November, that you have noticed the particular focus of the scriptural readings and of the prayers at Mass. They are pointing us not only to the end of the liturgical year, which we will celebrate at the end of this month, but also to the end of the world, when Christ will appear in all his glory and inaugurate a new heaven and earth. Now, of course, this preparation for the second coming of Jesus Christ is one that should fill us with expectation of particular joy as well as a deep responsibility and a rather uh, serious understanding of the meaning of what will be happening. Of course, no one on this earth knows the particular time or place of that appearance. If we remember our Lord's first appearance in a backwater town of the Roman Empire, I think we should be prepared, however, to be surprised. For Christ comes in what God has determined as the fullness of time. And it is not we who determine when that fullness has been achieved or to try to define it in terms of our own secular understanding of the fullness of time. For every time in human history has its particular potentiality and every time must be open to the coming of Christ when he appears and every time is equally blessed by, by God's grace and God's presence in the holy sacraments. But as we begin that pilgrimage to that final point, as our liturgy calls us to understand that the Lord will come in his good time, but he will come, and it will be a moment for which we should long and be prepared, we also turn in the tradition of the church to our own particular and personal calling before Christ and our personal end on this earth in natural death. For the experience of death is, in a sense, a small apocalypse for us personally. And in preparing for the second coming of Christ, we also make a preparation for his appearance before us after our completion of our earthly existence. Now, I don't know how long it may have been since you have heard a homily based on what are called the four last things, death, judgment, heaven and hell. When I was growing up and well into my college years, a consideration of the four last things was always part of parish missions or of particular retreats given especially during Lent. And those meditations had a great popularity, not because the first reaction to them was one of unbridled joy, but because of how they 
were intended to awaken a certain seriousness about the meaning of our lives and the passing of our earthly existence. And I can tell you from personal experience that in some of the parish missions we had, when it came time for the mission leader, and it was usually a Franciscan who was known to our pastor and who our pastor defined as a Franciscan with that hatchet face of asceticism, which uh, really was a precise uh, uh, explanation of him. But there was a drama about it, and particularly in the pictures that were, were drawn of heaven, of hell, of the moment of meeting our Lord Jesus Christ as judge. But yet, we have to realize that those images, I think, probably were done to startle us into recognition of the seriousness of the matter. And of course, uh, it was always followed by one of these powerful descriptions of heaven, of peace, of fulfillment, and uh, we could all uh, sigh a breath of relief after it. But they pointed to a fundamental meaning. And it is one that was emphasized by Pope Benedict XVI when we speak of heaven or of hell. And he said, remember that beyond all of the images and images that we like to paint because it's much easier for us to uh, deal with a reality if we can picture it, but behind all of these images lies this, heaven is eternal and ongoing salvation. The eternal happiness of being in the presence of God and the joy of his life and love that is beyond all of our imagining. A power that moves us to an eternal liturgy, songs of prayer and thanksgiving. Where is in that realm of the evil one, of the devil. The essential meaning is the loss of salvation and therefore the loss of the presence of God. And that existence is an eternal sense of loss, of darkness of mind and heart and an unredeemable despair. And C.S. Lewis once said in talking about those last realities that when we appear before Christ at the judgment, the only word that he will speak to us, and it will in all cases be a word of love, is your will be done. And it will be simply a certification of the choice that we ourselves have made. It will not be a judgment filled with thunder and lightning, with profound words of judgment. It will be that simple announcement, your will be done. And in love, I will accept it. Now, uh, of course, this way of explaining it really passes a great deal of responsibility onto ourselves. But we have to ask ourselves, 
is our preparation for our own personal death one that should be filled with undue fear or full of gloom or loss of hope, a constant looking over our shoulder. And I don't think it need be for this because every devout Christian begins with the realization that Christ has given us certain promises. We understand that his wish is that all be saved, and therefore he floods the world with his grace. It is our purpose then to accept that grace around us or to reject it. And in accepting it, we realize that our joy and our peace comes from the acceptance of God's commandments through Christ and following in his footsteps. The Second Vatican Council defined holiness, to which we are all called, is the beginning of worship of all God, uh, of all that we depend on in God. It is secondly, the following in the footsteps of Jesus Christ. It is thirdly, that sense of utter uh, trust and the reflection of God's uh, commandments. And the last is doing service to our neighbor, to giving them the good that we have received from God. And in doing this, and realizing that every moment of our life we are in the gaze of Christ, I think should fill us with expectation and a particular longing for the coming of, of Jesus. We know that in spite of our weakness, he calls us con uh, constantly. Remember the readings that were appointed this year for the Mass of the 34th uh, Sunday of the year. It is taken from wisdom and then uh, referring to it in the Gospel of Luke. And wi wisdom tells us, do not be feared, uh, filled with fear or gloom. For what God has created, he has loved. And he did not create that to be lost. So that in all instances, in our weakness, or in those moments when we have turned from the gaze of God, he continues to call, to allow us a moment of repentance and a reawakening the sense of his commandments. And his call to repentance is a call filled with his recreating compassion and mercy. And in this, our preparation should be filled both with our sense of responsibility our need for the constant grace of God, the realization that we are called through conversion to a greater and deeper love of God and a longing for his presence. And I want to conclude with something that I read about St. Therese of Lisieux, the little flower, on her deathbed. As many of you know, she died at the age of 24 from tuberculosis or at that time it was called consumption. And while she was in her final days, she was being read to by one of the sisters who, uh, in reading from one of the Gospels, came upon the passage of how uh, the Lord said that on that last day 
He will come like a thief in the night. So be ready. And the sister asked St. Therese, Does this frighten you? And she replied, By no means. I will know who that thief is. And I know that he has come to steal my soul. And therefore, when he appears, I will not cower in some dark corner, but I will call out, Over here! Over here. And let us pray, St. Therese, that we have also that same sense of trust and the sense of peace, at peace in which the holy saint faced her own death. And in every moment of our life, give thanks to God, for he is with us always, even until the end of ages. <laughs>